Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. Uh, we are in a series called I Quit, and we've been talking about different things that we need to quit in our life, and this week we're going to continue with that, with I Quit Living in Fear, because a lot of us, we live uh, our day-to-day lives with fear. Many of us battle at least one or many different fears on a regular basis. You're living in a state of fear, which is like polarizing, right? It means, in other words, you are trapped or stuck because of your fear, Studies show, though, that you and I were born with only two fears. Not all these other fears in our life. We were born with only two fears. Those two fears are the fear of loud noises and the fear of falling. That's what you're born with. That means that every other fear that you currently have in your life is a fear that you have learned. There's good news to that because if you learn that fear, that means that you can unlearn that fear. Amen? And so, Studies say that many of you guys started to become afraid of things at a very young age. Like, how many of you guys, when you were a kid, you were afraid of the dark? Like, no way. I'm not going into the dark. The boogeyman's there. There's only one or two of you? All right. How many of you, uh, when you were a kid, were afraid of spiders? Like, those creepy, crawly things were horrible. All right, well, let me do this. If you're my age, and after the movie Arachnophobia came out, you were suddenly afraid of spiders. Yeah, all right, all right. There's a few more of you. Uh, or how about um, some of you, maybe when you were a kid, you were afraid of thunderstorms, and thunderstorms really bugged you. You'd get up in the middle of the night and have mom and dad come for you, right? Anybody here afraid of thunderstorms? My kids have some irrational fears, and uh, one of them in particular is, is the, the closet door. The closet door has to be shut, because if you don't shut the closet door, whatever it is that lives in that closet is going to come out and get you when you're asleep, Right? So the closet, and usually what's in the closet is me, because I just like to hide there and get them real good. <clears throat> so they learned, and they closed that closet door now, and uh, at least you can hear the thing coming to get you if it's going to get out. I don't know if monsters just don't know how to use door handles or what, but anyway. We have these irrational fears, right? And many of you guys, you know what I'm talking about. When you were a kid, you probably had this one. This is a very, very prevalent fear that you might have had, was, was the idea that there was something underneath your bed, Right? And so in order to get into your bed, especially after the lights had been turned off, you got a running start, and you jumped into that bed. And God forbid while you were sleeping, any kind of appendage hang over the edge of the bed, because if it did, whatever was there was just going to get you, right? So you just saved yourself by wrapping up in that blanket and making sure everything stayed where it was. You don't know what I'm saying. Wake up in the middle of the night because nature calls, and... You're, you're nervous, so what do you do? You climb up and you stand on the bed, and then you take that blind leap and then run to the bathroom as fast as you can where the light is and you're safe. We have these fears. We, we, we live with them. We grow up with them. We take on these different fears as we go through life. And today what I want to do in the first few moments of our time is share what the four most common fears are. In life, and then I want to look at God's word in light of those fears. And uh, as we go through these ones to the, today, um, I want you to take note of which one of these common fears is you. So just kind of keep track with me here. The very first most common fear is the fear of loss. 
It's the fear of loss. This is you fear of losing something important to you. Uh, maybe this is a spouse. You don't want to lose the relationship. You fear the loss of a child or your financial standing, right? Or maybe through a loss of a job. Uh, and some of you, this is, this is really you. This one hits home. You, more than anything, you fear loss of control. Because when something's not in, your, in control, you kind of you, you freak out. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. I can't handle it. I got to have control over everything. How many of you guys would say that that's you? You fear loss. All right. The next fear is the fear of failure. It's the fear of failure. We feel like we will be inadequate. Like if we tried to do something, we wouldn't be good enough or we couldn't win at the game. And so we, we, we just choose not to play. We, we fear failure. Like maybe God's leading you to start a grow group in this next semester, and you're like, I don't know if I put myself out there. Would anybody show up? I don't really know if I know how to lead it. Or maybe God's talking to you about starting a ministry, and you're like, I'm not really sure about the details or where I would even go. And so because of that, I don't feel like it's going to work. And, or, or maybe God's called you to start a business or go back to school or to get a new job. And whatever it is, you just fear that you won't be good enough to do it. How many of you say you hang out there? Fear of failure. Or this is a popular place. This, this is actually where I hang out, and it's the fear of rejection. We fear rejection, right? This plays out in relationships. Guys won't ask the girl out because he doesn't want to hear no, and he certainly doesn't want to hear all the reasons why after the no. You know what I'm saying? We, we fear rejection. We want people to like us. We are paralyzed by this desire to please you. We want our hair to look good. We want our beards to look good. We want to make sure that our clothes and the car that we drive and the things that we do, the things that we say, our hobbies are pleasing to you. In fact, if we don't feel that way, it kind of shuts us down. We live with this fear that you won't like us. We live with a fear of rejection. Who would say you hang out in that world? And the last fear is the fear of the unknown. The fear of the unknown, this freaks you out because you don't know what's going to happen. You're not sure what's around the corner, and so you don't want to go around the corner. Or maybe your mind just runs wild at night, and you think, what if, because maybe somebody's going through a health issue in their life, what if I get that health issue? Maybe if a parent's gone through something, what if that's going to happen to me? Or what if I lose my job? Or what if I'm in an abusive relationship and I leave it? What if, what if I, I don't find a good place to put my feet and to rest my head? And, and like, what, what if we get stuck on all these what ifs? And if everything's going well in our lives, we've got this big what if. Oh my gosh, I, everything's going good. That means something bad is on its way. It's the fear of the unknown. How many of you guys would say that you hang out in the fear of the unknown? Now, how many of you, this is all, all four of these things is you. See, I'm afraid for you. <laughs> I'm kidding, but I'm being serious. As your pastor, I'm, that, that's terrifying. That's a horrible place to be where you're constantly living in fear, not able to move forward in your relationships, in your spiritual walk with God, in any avenue of your life when you are gripped by fear. And a lot of us battle these different kinds of fears. We're paralyzed by it. We go through this life in a way that God didn't intend for us to go through. Because here's what scripture says, and many of you are familiar with this verse, it's 2 Timothy 1.7, says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, I can already hear you saying it, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. See, God didn't give us 
a spirit of fear. That's not from him. Whatever it is you're afraid of is not from God. It's your spiritual enemy that has provided you with that fear. Because God didn't do it. Not our Father, not our our loving Heavenly Father. He didn't give that to you. No, what He gave you was a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And yet, so many of us are consumed by fear. We're anxious, we're overwhelmed, and paralyzed by something God didn't give us. The good news is, if God didn't give it to us, then we can soundly and safely reject it and say, Not today, Satan, not today. Totally reject it. You, you don't have to hold on to it. And I'm, I'm telling you that this is so good that if you get this today, it will change your life forever. Because you'll go from a place of being stuck to living in freedom. Living in freedom. Fear isn't from God. And because it isn't from God, we can choose to quit living in fear. So people say that, that fear, when they're talking about fear, they say that fear is the opposite of faith. And I tend to disagree. I think that fear is placing your faith in the wrong things. What fear is, is placing your faith in the what ifs. That's what fear is. If you're taking notes, fear is placing faith in the what ifs. People rarely say, what if something good is going to happen to me today? You know, what if when I go to work today and walk out to my car, I find a $100 bill on the ground? What if I go to Chipotle today and they give me a free lunch? <laughs> people don't do that, do they? They don't generally, when it's the what ifs, people don't have a positive outlook. They don't, they don't look at things that way. Know what they do. What if something bad happens? What if, what if, what if everything goes wrong? We hang out in the what ifs. We play this game. And when you look at the Bible, you see that there is one character who does this. His name is Moses. We've been talking about him for the past couple weeks. If you haven't been here, let me catch you up on him. Many of you know the story of Moses and the Israelites and the Red Seas parted, but, but there was a time before all that happened when Moses, who was an Israelite or a Jew, was running from the Pharaoh of Egypt because he killed one of his guys. He's hiding out in the wilderness as a shepherd. Moses' people are back in Egypt as slaves, and they have been for hundreds of years. And they've been crying out to God, deliver us. And so God says, okay, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to use this guy, Moses. And so God appears to him in a burning bush. And of course, you know, this is just God showing off, right? I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible, I'm like, God, could you ever just do that for me? That sounds awesome. Like, I like to catch things on fire and watch them burn. Like, that's just kind of a thing I like. Anybody else? No one? Nobody. All right, I'm alone. Never mind. I didn't say that. And so... This bush is on fire, but it's not actually burning. And God starts talking to Moses through it. And he's like, Moses, my people are in trouble, and I'm going to send you to do it. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to give you the power. I'm going to give you the words to say. You're, this is going to be awesome. And Moses starts playing the what-if game. He says to God in Exodus 4.1, he says, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you. He's got God talking to him in a burning bush. He's seen things that you and I have never seen before. And he's playing the what if game. He's not placing his trust or his faith in God. He's placing his faith in the what if, the bad things. And we do this all the time. We play the what if game. What if the economy drops? 
What if I lose my job? What if I lose my health? What if my spouse cheats? What if my kids get hurt? What if I never get married? What if I marry a jerk? What if I can't have kids? What if Chipotle goes out of business? I just scared myself a little bit. Seriously. We play the what if game and on and on and on. We, we play this game. Fear is placing faith in the what ifs of life. Now why does it matter? Why do your what ifs matter? Well, I have two thoughts about why your what ifs matter. If you're taking notes, it's about what fear reveals. Because what, fear, what you fear reveals what you value the most. Think about that for a second. What you fear reveals what you value the most. So if you fear losing your marriage, that means that you value a good marriage. It means you probably work hard at it. If you fear your kids getting hurt, that means you're, you're a good parent. You're involved in their lives. You understand what they're looking at on their devices and on the TV. and you, you're, you're involved in their friends and their activities. It's not a bad thing. Or, or you fear losing your job. And so what it is, is it's you likely value financial stability. These are, these are not bad things, but what you fear reveals what you value the most. The second thing about fear is that what you fear reveals where you trust God the least. Oh, that's going to hurt a little bit. What you fear reveals where you trust God the least. So same scenario. You're worried about losing your spouse or you're worried about that your marriage might break up. Well, that means that you're just not trusting God with your marriage. You're worried about your kids being hurt or, or them being protected all the time. And so that means that you have placed your faith in your ability to protect them. And you've not trusted a loving God who has a plan and a purpose for their lives in the same way that he has for your life. That his unfailing love will guide and protect them as well. And because you don't trust that, you contribute to the situation by being anxious and worrying. Or maybe it's about your job, where you, you fear losing your job. And it's simply because of this, you've placed your faith in your employer and your ability to earn money instead of placing it in God's hands and trusting that he will provide for you no matter what happens at your job. What you fear reveals where you trust God the least. So here's what I want for you today. I want you to be really, really honest with yourselves and be honest with God. What is it that you're not trusting God with? I want you to write it down. If you've got notes on your phone, make a note. If you've got the connection card out, write it down. What is it you're, you're not trusting God with? Decide, commit, and own it. Answer this question. I'm not trusting God with what? Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your aging parents. Maybe it's your job or your living situation or your relationships. I'm not sure. Whatever it is, write it down. For me, I already told you that I fear rejection. I, I, I'm on, I know that. And I deal with it. It made me a horrible salesman. I've had sales jobs throughout the years, and I was terrible at it. I don't like hearing the word no. I don't like asking somebody to buy something, and then they say no. Terrible at it. Really bad. 
There's, there's been lots of things in my life that I have missed opportunities on because I have feared rejection so much. I, 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 didn't, I didn't ask certain girls out. I didn't get certain jobs. Even in my relationship with my wife, if I don't feel like she's going to respond positively to a gesture that I could make, then I won't even do it. It paralyzes me because I worry about what people think about me so much. I worry, did I look okay? Do they approve of this? I, I, I live with that. That's a reality for me. It's hard being a pastor and somebody who fears rejection because there are times that God's word, what it has to say about our lives, is not very popular. It's not popular and it's not easy pills to swallow. And it's hard to stand up here and say it. You think because I, I, it looks easy to you that it is easy for me, and it's not. It's something I have to pray about over. God, help me with this. I'm afraid to talk about this today. I'm fearful of their response. I'm fearful that people will turn away from you. He's like, you just got to trust me with this. I'm fearful of it. As, as your pastor, I've shied away from difficult conversations with people and with leadership in the past. It's been hard, and it's limited our growth. It's limited me spiritually. It's limited me personally. Because of my fear of rejection. So whatever it is that you're afraid of, be honest about it. I'm being honest about mine, like completely with you. Be honest because what you fear reveals what you value. For me, I value your approval and your acceptance more than I value God sometimes. And it reveals where I trust God the least. So let's spend the rest of our time looking Biblically, at a response to this. How do we face the what ifs of fear? Well, I have two thoughts on that. The first thing is if you're to face the what ifs of your fear, you need to acknowledge your fear and choose to trust God. So I've already asked you to do that, to acknowledge what it is you're afraid of, and then choose to trust God despite that fear. Now, I'm not saying take your concerns and brush them off. I'm not saying don't do your homework and don't be diligent about what you're doing. No, no, do all that you can do, and then when you've reached the end of what you can do, trust God with the rest of it. You come to the end of who you are and what you are able. Say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid at this point because I don't have what it takes. They may reject me. I don't know what's coming. I don't have control from here on out but I'm gonna to choose to trust you. We see a perfect example of this in scripture. King David, before he was king, you know him in the story of David and Goliath. He's a shepherd boy. He's a boy of about 14 years old, took out a massive giant. And David was brought into King Saul's house. And King Saul was the first king of Israel. He was a horrible king. He did lots of things that, that hurt the heart of God. And because of his disobedience, God said, I'm going to remove you as king. And so he sent his prophet Samuel to anoint David. And he told David, you're going to be king. And David understood that that meant someday, that it wasn't his job to go kill Saul. It was his job to hang out till God removed Saul. And so David does. He's in Saul's army, and he goes out into battle, and he's victorious. He has favor with the people of Israel, and they sing his praises. And so Saul, the king, becomes very jealous of David. And he knows, surely, that David's going to be king in his stead someday. And so what does he do? He decides he's got to kill him. 
And so he hunts David down, chases him all over the countryside, looking for him, trying to kill him, listening for whispers of where he's been. His whole army would mobilize and go to find David. This would be like today, the president of the United States, like having a bone to pick with you and hunting you down, using all of his resources to locate you and to eliminate you. That's what it was like for David. This is the level of of fear and anxiety that he could have been facing, that he was hunted and going to be killed. And I want you to listen to what David said. This was his reality. And in the middle of that reality, David writes this song. Because that's what we're we're in the book of Psalms, and these are songs that he wrote, poems. And he says, my slanderers pursue me all day long. Many are attacking me in their pride. When I am afraid, not if, not if, when. In other words, it's coming. I'm facing some difficult stuff, and I'm afraid. When I'm afraid, I will trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? David lays out the process that you and I are to deal with our fear. A a way that we can lay it out before God and see change in our life. He's honest and open about his fear. He says, when I'm afraid, and he makes a choice, I will trust in him. For you and I, we can make this choice. When I'm afraid, I'm going to lose my job. I can trust. When I'm afraid, my kids won't be protected. I can trust. When I'm afraid in my relationship, I will trust. Whatever it is, when I'm afraid, I will choose to trust. It's a choice that we make. Now, you need to understand, because David is writing a song, I I don't know if you've you've ever known a singer-songwriter, but songs aren't always written Like when they sit down, if you and I were to write this out, it would take us like 30 seconds to write this out. It did not take David 30 seconds to write this out. Not in my mind. To me, I feel like he wrote this in sentences. And he may have stopped and thought, huh, what am I going to write next? Spent maybe a week, maybe two, maybe a month, and then came back to his parchment and wrote the next line. Because the way this plays out doesn't make sense. If you just read it straight, he goes from, I will trust in you, which is a future tense. You understand that, right? It's, it's important the way it's written. It's a future tense, I will. And then the next verse says, I trust in. What happened? What happened from the last verse to this verse? There was a gap of time. Something is transpired in David's life, and what was it? He said, when I'm afraid, I will trust in you. The next line says, David, in God, whose word I praise, something's shifted. He's chosen to trust God, and now he's at a place where, in you, God, I trust. It's not an I will, it's a now, I will trust you. And as a result of that, look what he says. Because I trust you, I will not be afraid. I trust you now, and I'm not going to be afraid again. And then look what happens. As a result of this decision to trust, and as a result of the process of trusting, he's now in a place where I do trust, and because I trust, I will not be afraid, and all of a sudden, something dawns on him. 
And this is beautiful. What can mortal man do to me anyway? David's focus shifts from an earthly perspective to where we're concerned about all the what-ifs of this earth, and it shifts to an eternal perspective. Even if the worst-case thing happens to me, even if I die, they can't get me in paradise with God. I've got eternity with him. I'm going to trust him that if I perish, that this is part of his plan, and I'll see him on the other side. David trusted trusted in God. Because the answer of what can mortal man do to me, well, he could kill you, could capture you, could torture you, could chase down your family and friends and kill and torture them. Could make your life miserable. That's what the enemy can do. But David chose, despite all those things, they were not even worthy of a mention anymore, I will choose to trust. And I do trust in him. He decided that if I choose God, to trust God. There's nothing on this earth that can hurt me. Man, that's, that's powerful. When you, everything that you're afraid of just begins to disintegrate. Nothing's holding you back anymore. That's powerful. That's free. He figured that the worst what if pales in comparison to the goodness of God. So here's the challenge for us today, and it's ultimately to be like David. In this situation, if you want to deal with your fear, you need to be like David. You need to acknowledge your fear, whatever it is, and then choose to trust God. Choose to trust God. The second thought I have about facing the what-ifs of your fears is seek God until he takes away those fears. Seek God until he takes away your fears. How do you seek him? You seek him in prayer. You seek him in his word. You seek him in your grow group. You seek him by asking other people to pray for you. You seek him day and night until he frees you from your fears. Look at this powerful verse again. This is David speaking. He says, I sought the Lord, which by the way, that word sought is an active word. I don't know why I'm so hung up on on grammar today, but it really means a lot when you're reading the Bible. It's a continual, it's a perpetual. I sought him till I got what I needed from him. I sought him and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. He looked until he found God. He knocked until the door was opened. He kept asking until he got it. Is this scripture sounding familiar to anybody? Jesus said, those that ask and keep on asking will receive. Those that knock and keep on knocking, the door will be opened. This is what David did. Regarding his fear, he sought the Lord. Now, I know this seems too easy. I know it seems too formulaic. It's like, does it really work that way? Yeah, it does. And I realize it seems easy just talking through it, but I promise you that nothing will be harder than doing this. Because what God asks you to do in trusting him, he doesn't ask you to do in the absence of fear, He asks you to do in the presence of fear. This is what we call courage. Being afraid and doing it anyway. It takes courage to have faith and trust God. To take those steps. This is what God's asking us for. And I've seen this play out time after time after time in my life. More recently, I'll just share this quick story with you. This fear of rejection that I have that kind of paralyzes me from time to time. 
played out more recently in the, in the election, in the, the campaigning process. One of the things that you have to do in order to win a campaign is go knock on doors. And let me tell you something, that fear of rejection was real for me. Like, I was like, dude, I don't want to go up to a door. If I go to a door and they ask me a question, I don't know the answer. I, or what if, the hardest thing for me to ask anybody to do was say, hi, I'm Aaron DeLong, would you please vote for me? Because what if they say no? What if they don't like the way I look? What if they don't like what I have to say? What if they say no, I'd be rejected? And so I kid you not, my first Saturday out, my whole team went out with me, and my son was walking with me, and we, I see my first sign, and, or my first house, and, and, and we're walking to it, and I leaned over to my son, and I said, can I tell you something? Can I be real honest with you? I'm scared out of my mind right now. He said, Dad, why are, why are you afraid? I don't know you to be somebody who's scared. And I said, but I am. I fear, I don't know what's going to happen when I knock on that door. I don't know what's going to happen when I say, my name's Aaron, I'm running for council. Would you please vote for me? It's my information. I don't know what's going to happen. And I started thinking, you know, if, if God's called me to this, which I believe he has, I know that when God's called you to something and you don't feel equipped for it, that he'll equip you when you need it. We see throughout scripture, he says, don't worry about the things you're going to say. The Holy Spirit will give you the things to say. So I, I, I began to encourage myself, and I said, Lord, I'm scared. I'm scared to go up to these doors, but I'm going to choose to trust you because this is the journey you've got me on. This has just been a series of yeses I've had to say so far, and I'm not going to stop now. So I'll say yes to this, God, but I'm scared. And I'm going to tell you what, I went up to those doors. We knocked on 1,200 doors, my team and I did. And not, it, it was not a horrible experience at all. I felt like I was going to be rejected. But let me tell you something. People were happy to talk to me. They were happy to meet a candidate for counsel. One woman, she found out I was a believer. I found out she was a believer. She stepped out her front porch and grabbed my hand and said, I'm going to pray for you, son. I said, well, I'm going to pray for you too. (laughs) We stood there, had a prayer meeting on the front porch. It happened. That was real. Only one time was I rejected. Somebody ushered me out of their house and said, nope, no thank you. Fine. Fine. And I walked away from that experience smiling real big because I was rejected and it wasn't the worst thing in the world. Usually that's the situation, isn't it? The things that we fear. It's really not the worst thing in the world. And yet whatever it is that we fear, we build it up inside of our hearts and our minds. And it it stops us from moving forward. That day I overcame the fear and Week after week, I went out, and I I didn't have any fears the last few weeks of doing it. I wasn't even concerned. It was just, let's get this thing done. Let's do it. Why? Because I trusted God. I acknowledged it. I trusted him. I went and did the thing that was hard, and then he took that fear away. And you, too, can overcome your fears. You can decide, I'm going to quit being afraid. If you're willing to face your fears, name it, get honest about it, Seek God. Choose to trust him. It's a choice you make. You can choose to stay paralyzed and stuck where you're at, or you can decide, I'm going to be free. You could do it. The old-time preacher John Wesley said this, I've never known more than 15 minutes of anxiety or fear. 
Whenever I feel fearful emotions overtaking me, I just close my eyes and thank God that he is still on the throne, reigning over everything. And I take comfort in his control over all the affairs of my life. It's simple. He said anytime he felt that he was fearful, he would just close his eyes and remember God's in control. I do that often. I encourage people in my world like, hey, you know what? None of this is a surprise to God. It's not like this snuck up on him. He was like, wow, that's brand new information. I did not know that was going to happen. That, that's not who God is. He knew whatever you were getting ready to go through. He knows how hard it's going to be. And he knows how unequipped and unprepared you feel for whatever it is you're going through or whatever he has called you to. He's well aware. And he has a plan. He has a purpose for it. And when you fear, you can remember that. That he's still on the throne. Close your eyes and go, I'm scared right now, but God's in control. And those fears will begin to subside. God will help you overcome them. Why? Because his grace is sufficient for you. When you are weak, he is strong. He's good enough. His unfailing love is with us and for us. Because remember, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power love and a sound mind. And I know you want to hang out on the, but what if, Aaron? Because you've got scenarios in your mind that seem so overpowering. I get it. Let's go down the path of what if. In fact, there's a, there's a popular speaker or preacher. Her name's Beth Moore. And Beth Moore's husband was really sick. And uh, she was worried about him dying. She was stressing over it. And she was constantly stressing about this. And she said she felt like one day God asked her, what if he dies? She said, I don't want to play that game, God. He said, no, no, we need to walk down this path. Let's do it. What if he dies? She said, well, if he, if he dies, I'll go numb. My friends are going to have to come and help me with the funeral arrangements and to bury him. And then God said, and then what What then? She said, well, I'll probably have a hard time getting dressed for the next month, and I'll just cry and cry and cry. And God asked her, what then? She said, well, the, then I'll probably not get dressed for another month, and I'll cry and be sad. He said, and then? She said, and then I'll probably call out to you, and you'll be there with me. You'll be faithful to me, and you'll get me through it, and I'll be able to move on with my life. I'll begin rebuilding. He said, exactly. Go down the path of the what if. What if the worst thing you can imagine happens? Will God not be faithful? Is God not in control? Is God's love failing at some point? No. It's unfailing. And it's unconditional for you. You may go through a hard time, but what can mortal man do to you? Especially when you're in the hands of a loving God who promises you eternal life. So, if you know God, continue to seek him and he will help sustain you. If you know him, you have nothing to fear. When you know God and fear him in a holy way, you have nothing to fear on this earth. Why? Because God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, 
and a sound mind. Let's pray. Father, today we thank you for your word. We thank you for its effectiveness to transform and change our lives. I know that this is a challenging series, that this is a challenging message to challenge us to waylay our fears, to just let them go, acknowledge them, and choose to trust you anyway. That's not an easy thing to do. Lord, we need your help. Would you set us free today from the bondage of fear? Would you give us peace about the what ifs? That even if the worst case scenario happens, that you will be with us, that your hand will be upon us, that you will guide us and lead us and love us. And that you have a plan for our lives to use anything and everything that comes our way for our good. Lord, will we rest in this? Because your love is enough. Help us today to trust in you and not live in fear. Help us not to put our faith in what we want, but ultimately in who you are. Now, as we continue to pray, I want to speak to a different group of people today, maybe those of you that wouldn't call yourself a Christ follower. You know, you can play out the scenario of what if over and over and over again. What if this happens? What if that happens? The greatest what if that I'm going to challenge you with is what if you came here today to have your life transformed? What if from this moment on you choose to put your trust in him? I'll tell you what if. If you choose to make that decision, it doesn't mean that your life becomes easy. What it means is that you can have peace. And all that you face. See, if you don't know God, then you don't get to know peace. There's a peace that he offers that passes all understanding. In other words, the people in your life are going to look at you and wonder, aren't you crazy? You're going through hell right now. And you're at so much peace. This is what the Bible says God desires to give you. And even more than that. God's greatest desire for you today is for you to know him. There's an easy way to do that. It's to have a conversation with him that we call prayer. And in this prayer, what you're going to do is acknowledge what he did for you. See, you and I were born sinners, separated from God because of our sinfulness. There was nothing you and I could do to bridge that gap between us and God. But Jesus paid the price for that. Jesus laid down his life and died. The only person who could. And in doing so, he made a bridge that would bridge that gap between us and God. A way for us to be restored to relationship with God. A way for us to be forgiven. A way for us to spend eternity in heaven with God. A way for us to be transformed and made new. And today if you're here and and you would like to embrace the greatest gesture and expression of love anyone has ever shown you, then you can join me and pray this prayer. 
say yes to Jesus, yes to making him Lord of your life. Yes, to, that means saying, yes, Jesus, you're in charge. I'll follow you. I may not be perfect, but I'm going to do this. I'm going to take step after step as you show me. And if you're ready to make that commitment, if you're ready to know God's love in a new and incredible way, pray this prayer with me, will you? And if you're going to do that, would you just slide up your hand and say, Aaron, that's me. Would you just do that now? Would you say, Aaron, that's me. I'm going to pray with you right now. That's, that's my prayer today. Come on, be bold. Don't be afraid of somebody sitting next to you. Don't worry. There you go. Don't worry about what anybody thinks of you. You can put your hand down. Thank you. Be bold. Church, there's people saying yes to Jesus today, so can we all pray together? So nobody has to pray alone. Say these words, and, but you, you can say them out loud, but you need to mean them in your heart. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you came to this earth. You lived a perfect life. And you died on the cross for me. Thank you, Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. I give you my life. Now you give me yours. Be Lord of my life today and every day. Amen.